I'm Luke Kelly, and I'm the founder of the Line and Length Movement, dedicated to ripping the covers off mental health stigma. After a rough spell with my mental health, I contacted a large number of mates to come together to play a game of cricket with a very unique point of difference. In between innings, a supportive platform was provided where those who felt comfortable showing some vulnerability openly spoke about their personal mental health journey. Thus, the Line and Length Movement was born. While we are not mental health experts on this podcast, we are always here to support. So if you or anyone you know is feeling a bit flat, please have a talk to the experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or a medical professional. Today's episode is sponsored by Picker Financial Solutions. The support that Justin Picker is providing will go a long way in assisting the Line and Length movement in ripping the covers off mental health. While we here at Line and Length focus on mental health, Picker Financial Solutions can help you with your financial health. And now, onto this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. I'm Aiden. Back in the host seat this week, uh, joined by regular Kels. How are you today, mate? Good, mate. It is uh, it is comforting to have you back in the host seat, Aiden. It's um, it's good to be the passenger again on on this ship, mate. You you run it well. Thank you very much, Kel. And we're joined by this week's guest, Evan Binney. How are you today, mate? Yeah, good. Good day, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me on. Nice early morning start for us all, which is always good. It <laughs> certainly is. So we're we're recording this at seven a.m., which um. It's considerably earlier than we've done any of our podcasts before, but uh, seven AM Sydney time, well, yeah, six thirty NT time, boys. <laughs> Look, Evan, thanks for coming on the on the podcast, mate. Um, before we get into it, uh, how about you give the listeners a bit of a who is Evan Binney? Yeah, sure. So uh, I think I'm a pretty you know typical bloke, to be honest. I, I live in Sydney. Uh, I can't, you know, this question is difficult because you don't want to necessarily just say this is what I do for a living. Um, so I thought more so, you know, I, from a value standpoint, you know, I try to be a nice, friendly, sort of attempt to be funny where I can, uh, try to operate with high integrity and, and I feel like I'm a pretty accepting guy, but uh, to be more honest with you as well, when it comes to who I actually am and what I've been in the past 30 odd years or so is pretty confused uh, in terms of sort of direction and what I want to achieve and what I want to do and that's why answering that question is a bit uh, a bit tougher than I mm. <laughs> than I thought yeah. it would be. Yeah, you definitely are a very accepting man, Benny. Like, you know, you accept everyone for who they are, and you are certainly someone that sees the best in people. Is that something you you, you try and do? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a big part of um, sort of modern society as well at the moment. I think where we need to be accepting. So if I can attempt to do that with people. I mean, I've, I've always kind of enjoyed to go out and, you know, meet new people and whatnot anyway. So it doesn't really matter if they're a little bit, uh, you know, different or different than me or different than most of my mates and whatnot. I kind of like to have those interactions and, and learn what other people are about. I find it pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and then that just comes with the acceptance, not to mention like to sort of have a really close knit group of mates at the moment. And everyone's got that sort of mindset to an extent as well, which is, uh, which is nice. So we, we all met at, um, at CSU Bathurst as part of the, the rugby club. That must have been yeah. a great experience for you, Benny, where there was, you know, people from all sort of walks of life that you got to meet and interact with. Yeah, it was good. Actually. I said, I obviously loved being a part of that, um, that club up there or over there, wherever it is from, you know, Western Sydney. Um, and yeah, it was nice because, yeah, there's, there's, like you said, Aiden, there's people from all sorts of walks of life. There's people from the country, there's people from the city, there's, 
uh, you know, first time rugby players, people who've been around for ages and uh, that melting pot was, you know, really awesome. Pretty much essential for me at uni to sort of get that firm foot in the door with, you know, friendship and the people that last forever, you know, we're 10 years out of uni now and uh, still in touch with probably around, you know, 50 to 100 blokes from that club. Um, and that sort of expanded over the course of probably, you know, not just the four years I was at uni, but, um, you know, the, the next four to six years outside of you just sort of keep in touch and that club provides you the access to, uh, to keep meeting new people, which I think is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I think um, Hugh Medway, Hugh Medway said it best when he said, we just loved getting around the weirdos. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's what accepting is just getting around the weirdos and we're weird ourselves. And that was our, that was our big thing. Yeah, that's it. I, uh, I listened to that, that line and length podcast actually. And that was uh that was a funny takeaway. <laughs> it's very true. And I love it's it. So it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said, um, you said you found a, found it hard to sort of get a direction of where you wanted to go in life. Did, um, mm. did hanging out with uh, us widows at the rugby club, did that kind of help with that? Or did you find your direction after uni? How, how'd you come about that? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I still feel like I'm kind of searching for a bit of purpose. Um, you know, I, I work in a sales uh, job at the moment. And prior to that, you know, I've been in sales, been in financial services and, uh, and then pre and, you know, some other sort of sales stuff there. But none of it necessarily feels like it's completely fulfilling as to what I'm trying to achieve. Like I much prefer to work with people and see people uh, improve. I see that, you know, in what you're doing at the, at the moment, Aiden, like trying to counsel people and, uh, you know, work through their, their challenges and stuff. So going back to the original question, I mean, the, the help and support that I got from the rugby club was always good as a bit of an enabler for other things. Um, but my direction only came from you know mishaps really so <laughs> i've usually like my typical uh, problem i suppose through through life has been I'll, I'll i'll fuck up somehow and then i'll have to revert or reevaluate the way that i'm thinking and change the direction and uh on what i wanted to do uh, because i you know will be reacting to that uh that challenge that's typically how i've set direction in the past it's not exactly the healthiest mechanism Benny, you mentioned there, you said you're searching for purpose. Are there specific things that you are doing to search for that purpose or are you just hoping it'll come along? Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm kind of doing the latter. I know that I need to be more proactive with it. Um, yeah. I, I listened to one of the other podcasts that you guys did with uh, Genoa, so I think I might reach out to him at some point just to try and do a bit of a course on you know, yeah. what it is that I'm trying to achieve. I think I know a bit more now in like, uh, you know, nearing 30 and, I know more now than I did 10 years ago, put it that way. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, you want to be complete, completely fulfilled, but then you've got the added complexities 10 years down the road than what we would have faced at uni when you can say, right, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be a policeman, I'm going to be X, Y, Z, and then you do the learning and you get to that goal, right? Yeah. Whereas now we've got this complexity of I'm not 100% sure what I want, and now you've got, you know, there's, financials associated there's mortgages associated there's partners there's pressure external pressure from everything else like mm. there's a hell of a lot more so making a decision now as yeah. to following that purpose it becomes more tough and i think aiden you now you could probably speak to that better than anyone yeah look um quitting quitting a job in the middle of covid to start pursuing something that i was passionate about was um probably the dumbest yet the smartest thing i've ever done in my life 
Um, but <laughs> I, I, I also appreciate that like not everyone is in the same uh, situation I was where I could comfortably do that and start pursuing what I wanted to do and not have the concerns. Like I don't have a mortgage. I don't have kids. I don't have a family that I've got to look after. It's really just myself. So it was easy for me to walk away from, from the life that I had into the life that I want to go into. So I completely understand where you're coming from. In terms of that, going back to that purpose, Vinny, my, Mm. my advice to you and to, and to any listener is the resilience project um, podcast and Ben Crow, he has an episode on there about finding your own purpose. And myself and Chris Russell, I reckon both listened to it about six times and communicated on it so much about finding our purpose. It's something that we're both going sort of through on a journey at the moment. So Benny, Ben mm. Crow, The Resilience Project. Awesome. I'll have a look into that. That's awesome. Get, Thank you. Get on. Get on. Benny, what is your, uh, we, you know, we've talked a little bit about purpose and, and we also talk about a lot about mental health on this podcast. Um What's your relationship with mental health been like? I think pretty turbulent, to be honest. So recently I've started to understand how that it's all interlinked just because I'm doing a mental health first aid course. Um, and I didn't previously, you know, I've, I've been a, aware of mental health. I, you know, try to promote it where I can. I get involved in activities to try and support other people's improvement of their well-being and mental health. But um, for me personally, um I've always had sort of challenges associated to it. So I, I kind of uh, got diagnosed with ADHD when I was probably like 14 or 15. Um, and then I didn't realize there was a linkage there to anxiety. So I had used to have a lot of stresses when it comes to going to shopping centers, going to crowded places, uh, meeting new people. I was comfortable with my friends, uh, you know, classic younger person situation. You're comfortable with your group of mates or boys. And then once you go and link up with that, girl group from another group um, from another school, you, you get really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and then as a result of that, I kind of started drinking uh, early, um, like binge drinking as a lot of sort of young Aussies do. Uh, and then that became to be a bit of a coping mechanism to deal with the anxiety associated to going to parties and stuff because you don't want to miss out. Um, and then to be honest with you, since I've been drinking that sort of just, like don't get me wrong i've always enjoyed going out having a drink and stuff like that but um i know now that um you know it has been a challenge to control over the course of about a 10-year period uh and then that uh, the drinking goes into drug use uh with sort of you know aligns to some of the uh the work that i've been doing previously as well in london for instance uh and then you know all of those things combine in and and then there's some added a layer of sort of depression that I've gone in and out of over the course of that period of time as well. And, and um, it's confusing uh, all of these different things mixing around because from an external party, or even when I reflect on myself, my life is in no way bad. I'm privileged in, in most ways. Um, so, you know, you, you try and comprehend why you feel this way about things and it's, uh, it's a difficult thing to try and get through your head. And then because you can't comprehend it, you get this in, induced feeling of guilt because why, why should I? Why should I be feeling like this when other people are feeling so much, well, you know, are in so much more of a challenging, challenging scenario? So, yeah, it's been a pretty interesting, um, yeah, interesting few years dealing with yeah. uh, some of the mental health stuff. 
Yeah. Benny, you said your alcohol use was a challenge to control. I mm. mean, do you feel like you are now in control of it? Are there, And if so, are there steps that mm. you've specifically taken to get yourself in control of it? Um, I don't think it's 100% under control, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think that it's more in control than it was six months ago, put it that way. I mean, mm. it's, it's really changed uh, over the course of, you know, the last 10 years. I mean, I, I kind of was drinking heavily basically from when I left school. Um, but, you know, I went through Europe, did all that. You spend most of your time in Europe going out and having beers and stuff, but it's, you know, you don't feel it because you're 18. Yeah. Um, and then for me personally, within the last six months, I had a bit of a breakdown associated to alcohol and sort of registered to myself and, you know, said I was, you know, I thought that I was an alcoholic, uh, probably a drug addict. And then I started to go to AA. Uh, which is something that, you know, I've had a really fortunate experience because my brother's gone through that uh, exercise in the past and he was able to sort of coach me on how to do it and whatnot. Um, So I went there, I I took a month off drinking and um, I I don't think that that environment is the right right fit for my personality. You know, there's an expectation that you could just completely end your relationship um, with with alcohol and, and for me, no, I don't necessarily want to do that. I want to be able to go out and have four drinks with you folks and yeah. you know, have some dinner or whatever it is and not feel uncomfortable in that scenario. Um, so I've just been trying to tie you know, all that together and effectively change my relationship with, uh, with alcohol which, and, and drugs. So well, I want to not go and do any drugs. That's my plan. Yeah. And, yes. um, and yeah, change that relationship. And, and it's working to an extent. And then the lockdown, to be fair, has kind of brought it back up into the fray, but not to the point where I'd have 30 drinks in a night like I used to. You know, more so I just, when the Olympics started, for instance, I just sat on the couch, had 10 beers, enjoyed the uh, Olympics. But then when I woke up in the morning with a slight hangover and realised I hadn't actually achieved anything to get to that mm-hmm. state, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, yeah, it's more, more awareness if that answers your question. Yes, yeah, it's a it's a fine balancing act, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I think, to be honest, as like we get a little bit older as well, you start to register when things become a problem. You start to register when you feel that you've got them under control. And then as your responsibilities build up as well, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm thinking that, you know, it just naturally or organically uh, sorts itself, you know, with, yeah. with obviously a bit of, support and help from uh from myself and, and people around me as well yeah when you went been another question when you went to aa did you mm-hmm. invoke did you vocalize that to you know your mates and your family or did you internalize it yeah so i, I reached out initially to um a group of four five mates i think it was uh, just via facebook and then I had a conversation with my brother and I had a conversation with a few people that I knew had gone through AA just yeah. to explain I was thinking about going. Um, and that really helped me. And then actually the, the, the first meeting that I went to, uh, my brother's mate who's in AA took, took me. Um, and that was great. It was a really good experience to go with someone else. And to be honest, when I went there as well, I thought, you know, this is the right thing for me. Yeah. Um, and then, to be honest, after that first meeting, I started to find that first month without touching alcohol quite, quite easy. I didn't even want to drink. Um, I was just sitting there, and and that's you know also part of why I didn't want to you know completely stop my relationship because I felt that there was a bit of a you know, a change for me 
uh, in my, you know, how I wanted to work with it. But yeah. um, certainly reaching out was the first thing I did. Did you, did you find that an easy experience, sort of reaching out and asking for help? The reaching out was the worst part for me. So I was, it, was, it was kind of embarrassing. I said, so I reached out to, well, I reached out to, I was hungover. Um, I reached out to those four or five mates and then I had a panic attack uh, while I was about to press send. So I was hilariously naked crying, um, which was what you want. Yeah. And then I pressed send and then I got like an influx of messages of like support from those boys. I'd called up my best mate from school as well just to have a chat, but I couldn't actually get the words out because of where my, uh, because I was, because I was crying and he, he assumed the worst. So uh, I couldn't really get out the fact that I was like what I was trying to do and stuff. And he just assumed that I was having some really, really intense challenges with depression. So he jumped in his car on Mother's Day and drove over to my place expecting, you know, the worst and, mm. you know, found me and I, it was about 20 minutes later, 15, 20 minutes later. And I'd, you know, clean myself up and had a shower and whatnot and uh, was sort of smiling at the door waiting for him. So he was, <laughs> yeah. he, was uh, he was really good about it as well. But uh, yeah, it was, it was hard. The initial reach out was hard and then it got easier yeah. as I sort of went through that uh, program of talking to people. Yeah. Yeah, you, you said you had a, had a panic attack there. Do you, um, looking back now, um, what, what do you think was, that was about? Do you think it was about the reaction people were going to give you um, in, in towards mm-hmm asking for help is that do you think that was what it was about yeah i think it was a big thing about um you know wanting to be i wasn't wanting to be a burden on other people like there were certain members that are you know of my really close friendship circle that i didn't include on that message because you know they just had babies they've got uh other shit going on in their lives that i didn't want to take away from so you know i was even though that these guys are like my closest mates sending them sending them a message was really difficult because you never know the full extent to what's going on in someone else's life. And I just didn't want to be a burden to them. That was really probably where the panic came from. I think. It's interesting. We found that to be like a common theme running through all of our podcast episodes is that feeling of being a burden on, on your mates. When, when you actually reach out, you find that the complete opposite of that is true, that everyone is willing to support you and back you up on that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was, I was having a conversation with a uh, with a, a girlfriend of mine the other day and, um, you know, she's been living alone during COVID and I asked her how she's doing and whatnot and she's like, oh, I'm fine. And then she's like, I don't really want to be a burden, blah, blah, blah. I was like, don't, don't, we've got to change our, try to change our mindset about that because yeah. if you are feeling down, just reach out. I'll, I'll spend an hour on the phone with you. I'm sure everyone else will as well, so... Um, but it's interesting because, you know, seeing both sides of it and at the time, it's quite difficult to register that that's the reaction you're going to get from the people that love you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, Benny, I'm going to sort of change the, the line of questioning, uh, mate. Now, sure. you're really heavily involved with line and length at the moment and everything, you know, the growth that we've had over the past, let's say, six months. Um you know, what's your, what's, what do we define your role as at the moment? Are you our business advisor? Is that what we'd say? Yeah, I, I suppose what was my LinkedIn say something like strategic advisor. So yeah. I just sort of provide advice where I can, just given my role outside of line and length and exposure to um, to sort of different levels of business. Yeah, and, and doing a fantastic job at that. We'd be back in the dark, in the stone ages without you. Um, Benny, what 
has made you so passionate about line and length and, and you know, getting this really off the ground? I think for, for me, there's, there's two sort of major elements, really. Um, and, you know, the first is obviously that I've dealt with my own challenges with my own mental health over the course of the years. Um, but then the second, you know, and you guys would have experienced this as well. Uh, we lost a, a really good friend of ours, Nathan Sharp, in 2012. Um, and for me, that was probably the first proper hardship that I've had to, you know, be a part of. I've never lost friends prior to that. I haven't lost sort of uh, people that were too close to me and whatnot. And um, the fact that I didn't have any idea that that Sharpie was depressed, um, that resonated with me when it comes to getting involved in something like Line and Length because. I feel like if he felt that he had the platform or, you know, if he felt that, you know, he could have had a conversation with people without any stigma attached to it, or even, you know, that situation that I just explained about myself where he felt that he could speak to people without being a burden, maybe the outcome is different. Um, So, you know, my driver from, from doing that is to to try and prevent uh, that type of thing happening to other people. Um, because I think it's really important and especially now you know there were some stats coming out in 2019 about three and a half thousand deaths by suicide in Australia and then we hit a pandemic for two years where people have been under way more pressure than than before so I don't even know what those statistics like but um yeah certainly uh you know what what you guys have created and started to do just seem like the most important thing um that I could get involved with him. Yeah, it's it's powerful, powerful stuff. That and those statistics are so alarming. And you're right with the whole pandemic and stuff. The, you know, I just feel like the work that we're sort of doing now is going to be so important moving forward. Yeah, hopefully, and, that, and that's the thing. I mean, maybe we need to like, um, we'd love, I'd love for things to open up so that we could host more line and length cups, so mm. that people get to experience that. Um, because that's a really powerful sort of element of you know the offering that that was sort of put together. Um, obviously, COVID's been a bit of a dick. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not helping. Yeah, it's not helping. <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully, yeah, it'll be good to see some outcomes over the course of the next you know, couple of years. Yeah, Benny, I'm gonna uh, roll into the the Triple H segment. So um, first first question: Who's your hero? Yeah. So this one's a, um, <laughs> this is a classic. Mm. My, my hero, I think, is honestly my old man. Um, nice. And he's just a nice bloke. It's probably the, Love the that. best thing about it. I just think that he's like the nicest guy ever. He's always smiling. He's always cracking like really bad jokes, but smiling at the same time. So you kind of get over it. And then... Um, uh, he, he just impresses me as well because he comes from a completely different background than what I do. So my uh, my old man grew up in Gunnedah out near Tamworth. Oh, yeah. Um, as, yeah, as one Gunny. of seven. Yeah, exactly, yeah. out in Gunny. Yeah. So yeah. he grew up as um, as one of seven kids. He was the, the third eldest. By the time he was 15, you know, he was doing well at school. He was, um, you know, I think he was like a state swimmer or something like that. So things were all looking good. The problem is that he was part of, you know, a family that weren't very well off. So he had to leave home and join the Navy at 15. Um, otherwise, you know, he wasn't going to be able to be supported by by the family anymore and uh, would have had to move out if they lived in a shed at the time. Um, 
and then he went and joined the Navy, did that for six years, went to Vietnam, came back, didn't even finish high school till he was about 30. Um, and then he did a computing science degree and spent 20, 20 years of his you know, adult latter life um, working as a chief information officer, like, you know, a rung, rung or two below the CEO uh, for sort of major organisations and, and everything that he was doing as well. He was trying to sort of help, um, help my brother and I have the best education that we could get and, you know, do whatever he could and, you know, take us on these nice holidays and shit that he didn't get to do. So that's, uh, that's probably the reasoning that he's my, uh, my hero. And then there's you know, John Eels as well, legend. Mate, we've had, we've had your brother on the show. We've now got you. We might have to get your old man on. Yeah, you might have to. Um, <laughs> what a bloke. Yeah, he's, he's a good bloke. Um, yeah, you can have a word with him at yeah. some point. You might have to bring a couple of beers on there as well on all sides. <laughs> can do. I reckon we could arrange that. Um, Benny, can you um, touch on some hardship that you've followed, that you've, you know, you've been through? Yeah. Um, sure. So we kind of touched on it a, a little bit earlier on. So, yeah, you know, like sure. I said, I find this one a pretty, pretty difficult one to answer, Kelza. Um, yeah. And that's because the hardship that I've experienced, I don't think, you know, sits at a scale comparative to so many other people. Um, yeah. I've come from a really privileged environment that my dad provided and my mum provided for me. Um, and, you know, through that, I don't, don't really think that I was feeling any sort of hardship outside of my own sort of anxiety and and uh and whatnot you know with a specific cause so probably the biggest hardship for me in my adult life that i can sort of recall would be that um you know the, the death of uh the death of yeah. sharpie and then the yeah. aftermath of that yeah yeah um yeah and those are that is a, like a huge hardship Benny, you know and and your brother touched on um having like coming from a sense of privilege and feeling like his, you know, issues and problems weren't relative, but you know, they, they are, they are, everything's relative. Yeah. And I like, I know that that's, that makes sense logically, but it's a tough thing to sort of uh, Mm. to drive into your head, especially when you do hear of other people's experiences and you're just like, I need to, uh, I need to take it easy, but yeah, to your point, everything's, everything's relative. I mean, you're a product of the environment that you grow up in and yeah. you know, some people grow up in, you know, a pretty horrendous uh, environment, Yeah, but they might have the same sort of mental health type challenges that someone from extreme privilege has, which is it's yeah. always interesting. It's just from an external perspective, you know, uh, it's a little bit, a yeah. little bit different. Yeah, now I'm looking forward to hearing this answer because it could I don't know what to expect. What's been the highlight, Benny? What's been the highlight of your life today? Because I reckon there'd, there'd be a few to pick from. Yeah, I mean, um, so about a year after after I finished up uni, um, I've been in the workforce for, what, 18 months or something like that, and I decided to move to London. Um, but then en route, I spent six or seven months just travelling around America um, I think I had like saved up 25 grand or whatever and had six months and I was like, right, I'm ready to go. Um, and for an eight week period there, I worked, you know, in a summer camp up in Vermont and I was basically there hiking and chucked uh, just because I'd previously done some hiking around Nepal. Um, and for me, that was, that was it, man. Like that eight week or 10 week period. So that I spent in Vermont, like you go and walk up these beautiful mountains, 
you take kids up there. Like I find kids hilarious. So they all laughed at my sweet jokes. So that helped. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it was also kind of important as well, because you see a lot of the challenges associated to, to younger you know, kids where their parents are leaving them and, uh, and, you know, they're dealing with bullying and they're dealing with all these things that you get in that environment with 300 kids. Um, so I was, you know, getting a lot of value personally from, uh, you know, counselling and, and sort of mentoring some of the, the younger kids and well, some of the older ones as well, just, you know, trying to overcome their, their problems with them, uh, which I found really rewarding. And yeah. Um, yeah, so that probably that experience would have been the highlight of my life so far. Yeah, nice. So I'm sure there's uh, plenty more highlights to come. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Vinny, one of the things yeah. uh, Kels often brings up on this podcast is uh, his favourite book, The Resilience Project. Um, yeah. What, do you have any book recommendations you you have for uh, any of our audience? Oh, mate, I wish I did. I'm a terrible reader. It's embarrassing. I, I looked at this, uh, you know, when you sent me some of the questions that we're going to answer, obviously, I'm involved with Line and Length, so I even know that this is coming up, and I was like, God, should I just go and read something so that I come across a little <laughs> bit smarter than I am? The reality is I haven't done that, but I can strongly recommend the Harry Potter series to everyone. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. might help you it might help you through your mental health situations or it might just help you in life but it's awesome <laughs> I'll take that. I, th- I think i think that's a great answer and uh sort of speaking on that mate what what is it that you personally use to to look after your mental health yeah yeah that's so i um to be honest i i find that you know considering that i've had so many challenges with my own mental health i i, I never feel that i've done enough um, to look after myself and I don't know what that is I think that it's probably because I put my mechanisms in stupid things like distraction uh, in the past but um, so counseling and psychology uh, or psychologist is something that I've been you know, seeing probably since I was 15 um, I've had a lot of success with psychologists sort of um, you know they're, they're working on behavioral stuff with me whether or not it be recommendations of things to do before you go to sleep or um you know so for instance before i go to sleep i might uh, say what i'm thankful for that that day and then yeah. i'll go to sleep in a better mood um which is something that i've been sort of practicing re- recently which is great um and then when i was younger and going through counseling from about 15 to to 19 or so had some challenges with obviously my adhd with anger and some other things and just being able to have that uh, objective person to talk to I found really, really valuable, um, which was awesome. So at the moment, I yeah, see, see my psych maybe once a month um, and it's almost like a maintenance type thing. We talk about my anxiety. Uh, we talk about reoccurring dreams that I've had for like 20 years, which is interesting to get into because he's uh, got a lot of experience in that sort of vivid dream state, which I didn't know was something that you could study. So it's pretty cool getting into that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of looking for, for things to, to make improvements. Um, and I think you just got to keep your eye on, you know, what's out there and what becomes available. You know, I've, I've had a crack a, a number of times at mindfulness. Um, yeah. but I think, you know, if I can self, you know, diagnose my own problem, I, uh, I have just a problem with discipline. Um, yeah. and I have done throughout my, the course of my life. So getting that discipline and routine off the ground uh, associated to the mindfulness was something that I struggled with. 
Yeah. Um, so I just need to try and find ways to, to sort of help that, uh, that, that scenario. Yeah. So, so Benny, did you just to confirm, so you do like gratitude, but you, you know, it's a mantra to yourself. You say it to yourself. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. So I started writing it in a, uh, in a book and then I, I felt that it was, wasn't happening every day. Um, so yeah, it's almost just a mantra to myself or if I find myself in a situation where I'm out walking, for instance, um, and I'm like, Oh, this is really nice. Then I'll stop and I'll try to register, you know, how fortunate I am to be in that scenario, uh, which, which is kind of cool as well. Cause you know, I did that a lot when I was hiking, um, because there's a lot of opportunities to do that, which is, which is nice. Um, I remember another thing, you know, I've always found that my mental health has been, so tightly knit to my physical health um so you know at bad times you know i had a uti uh last year which i thought was a thing that was just a normal you know urinary tactic infection and it's no big yeah. deal but apparently if it's um if it's in a you know guy it can go pretty bad and potentially turn into sepsis um yeah. so i ended up having a bad time and that really affected the um the mental health and then you know, if I get in a good routine and go to the gym five days a week, yeah, everything works better. You know, you sleep better, you, you eat better. Everything just yeah. seems to fall into line a bit more. So uh, trying to establish that in lockdown has been a, a tough one, I'm sure. Uh, <clears throat> would you agree with that, Abe? Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, the first sort of four weeks of lockdown, I was I didn't really have a routine or anything going for me in that that did sort of play like my mental health didn't didn't go as well as I wanted it to, but I'm back on track now. Thankfully, um, you know, I've, I've got a, a morning and an afternoon routine that I do one before bed and one when I just wake up and, and that's really helped me get back on track and, and sort of kicking my mental health back into gear, which is nice. Benny, um, what's this whole podcast experience taught you about yourself? You know, from the moment we asked you to, to come on to, you know, now as we're sort of wrapping up, you know, yeah, I mean, I like this one as well because I, I tried to, when you sent across the questions, I wanted to leave this one blank to see how yeah. I felt at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's just it just resonates on, you know, how important it is just to have a conversation about these things mm. uh, with people, you know, it doesn't matter if you know them, it doesn't matter if, you know, people who are willing to, to sort of listen to, to what you've got to say. Um. And I, and I find when you start talking and opening up about it, and this is what I felt through this conversation in particular, I'm saying things that I knew at the back of my mind, but I've never vocalized. Yeah. And the importance of vocalizing it, how are you supposed to get any advice or any recommendations or any sort of support if you don't vocalize what you think your challenges are? Yeah. Um, so that's probably the, the key thing is just, you know, in the future, if I'm starting to feel something or starting to feel a certain way, or even if I've got a registering thought that's, you know, ongoing, like a lot of the things have been that we've talked about today, yeah, just explain it to, to someone, whether it be my girlfriend, my, my parents, you know, my mates, whatever it is. So that's, that's probably the key takeaway for me at the moment. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like that. It's a good answer. Um, mm. Mate, if you were to give yourself advice at the age of 18, um, whether or not you would listen, what would you what would you tell your 18 year old self i would say don't try to please everyone yeah yeah is the main thing um i've always found you know because of what i'm trying to angle toward you now it means that i say yes to most things 
And at one stage, I'd even you know set myself a bit of a mantra to say yes to, to most things so that you don't miss out. That was my my thinking. Um, but doing that sort of led me into a lot of situations that I didn't have to be in, um, you know, that often included alcohol and uh, and drugs. So just having the ability to say, no, I'm right, I don't need to do uh, that or I don't need to go out five times this week. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't need to do that. I'll just see on the weekend, you know, the reality is, you're not going to miss me too much if I don't come to this one thing and I yep. see you four other times during the week. So I just say, just don't try to please every request um, that comes in. <clears throat> yeah. Great. That's great advice. Do you reckon 18 year old Benny would have listened? I have no idea. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it depends on whether or not I was cognizant at that point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> or if I was, I'd have let's hope so, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he would have taken part of that advice in, mate. Yeah, I would have, yeah, exactly. Probably would have taken part of that advice. Mm. <laughs> Let's go with that. Vinny, thank you so much for coming on this episode and, and, and talking through everything that you have. Um, I, I really appreciate sort of listening to you and, and listening to the way that you, you, you're overcoming uh, sort of those hardships that you've had. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's a good experience to sort of sit in a, in a hot seat, so to speak. Uh, after uh, after sitting in the hot hot seat last episode, I can appreciate how difficult it is being there now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, to those that are listening, if you would like to be a part of um, Line and Length, feel free to reach out to to anyone involved, um, whether it's myself, whether it's Kels, even if it, even if it's out to uh, Evan, we'll all love to get in touch. And if you want to tell your story, um, we're happy to sit here and listen and ask questions about it. And also, big shout out to our producer, Stuart. Stewie. Um, we love, love, we love Stewie. the work that he's doing and, and all the editing and making uh, making us sound a lot better than we uh, normally do. Uh, yep. But that's that's it for this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. Um, you know, look after your lid, guys, and, and, and make sure you're okay. This episode of This Is Your Line and Length was brought to you by Pick a Financial Solutions. Pick a Financial Solutions can help you with your financial well-being. This includes restructuring your finances, purchasing your first home, or purchasing an investment property. To reach out to Pick a Financial Solutions, see the links in this episode's notes. If this podcast has made you realize that you or a friend would benefit from having a chat, please don't hesitate to reach out to experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or Medical Professional. In the meantime, take care, look after your lid, and look forward to the next episode of This Is Your Line and Length.